How's everyone doing tonight? All of you. Yeah, you got to be real loud tonight. It's got to sound like we got a room full. Everybody doing good? Everyone have a good week? Jimmy, you can take me down just a little bit in the uh, in the speakers. I feel like I'm blowing everyone away here. Well, um, I'm going to continue what we've been talking about for several weeks now, several months now, actually. Um, but it's been good, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about different aspects of the Holy Spirit. And um, a lot of people uh, have different views on the Holy Spirit. A lot of people have uh, different ways they see the Holy Spirit or what they think the Holy Spirit does, why they think the Holy Spirit's in the earth. And um, there have been a lot of misconceptions on the Holy Spirit and what He does, who He is, uh, what He does for us, how He lives in us, uh, the things that He can do through us. And because of these misconceptions and because of uh, misconstrued ideas of what we think the Holy Spirit is, um, many people have uh, gotten out of balance with the Holy Spirit. Many people um, shy away from talking about the Holy Spirit, don't want to know anything about the Holy Spirit because experiences and things that they have seen in their past um, have either scared them, has been something they don't want in their life, they don't think should be happening, can't find any biblical standpoint on it. Um, but that's why we're taking this time, and we're taking a lot of time. I understand that we've been talking about the Holy Spirit now for uh, over two months, probably closer to three months now. And um, I think it's a very vital subject for the church to talk about. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is God in the earth with us today. And we make a big deal about God. We make a big deal about Jesus. We make a big deal about the Father and the Son. Uh, but both of them are in heaven. And we're here on the earth. So we need to know how... God is working in our lives today. We need to know what God is doing in the earth today. And so we started out by talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how uh, when God, way back in Genesis, when he created man, he put, God's, he put his spirit into man. And that was important because without the go-between, without the li- liaison, so to speak, uh, between earth and between heaven... Man has no idea how they are to rule and operate on this earth the way God is thinking in heaven. And so for us to know God's likeness, for us to know God's way, for us to know what God wants done in the earth, we have to have the Holy Spirit living within us. And so he breathed his spirit into man. But man made a very crucial choice that changed all of mankind, and that was sinning. That was disobeying against God himself, disobedience towards the king. And so, because of that sin, that separated God from man. And God, in Genesis chapter 6, actually said, I can no longer dwell with man. I can't keep my spirit residing with man for much longer because of the sin. And so, he had to withdraw himself, and by withdrawing himself, he withdrew his spirit out of man. And so, for mankind, for the rest of the Old Testament is, is struggling and straining to try to understand and try to comprehend who this God is, who their king is, and trying to understand how to uh, live and operate on this earth according to God's standard. Because the Holy Spirit is no longer living within them. But then Jesus shows up and 
He not only makes a way for us to get to heaven, but he makes a way for God's spirit to come back into man. So now man can properly operate in the earth the way he was originally intended to when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. When God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, there was a dominion that was handed over to mankind. And God wasn't trying to uh, control the earth and, and make things happen on the earth from heaven. He wanted man to do that. And his spirit was how that was happening. So Jesus operated what a life in the spirit is supposed to look like. Many times Jesus said, I don't do things on my own initiative. I don't say what I want to say. I don't go where I want to go. I don't uh, talk to who I want to talk to. I don't do what I want to do. Everything I do is because of the Father, and I am here to reveal the Father to you. Well, how did he do that? Well, way back before his ministry even started on the earth, he had the Holy Spirit come upon him. When he was baptized by John the Baptist, he came up out of the water. A dove ascended upon Jesus, and that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gave Jesus the ability to do what he did on the earth, not because he was Jesus, not because he was the Son of God. And we have this idea that Jesus was someone that we are not, and he had these powers and abilities that we don't have just because he was the Son of God, but we forget that He was flesh. Don't ask me how someone can be 100% flesh and 100% God. I can't explain that. But He was 100% flesh just as much as He was God. He had the temptations. He had the, the things come against Him that any of us had. In fact, the Bible says that there's no temptation that we have endured that Jesus did not endure. There's no cheating that we've been tempted with that he wasn't tempted with. There was no disobedience to God that he was tempted with that, that we're not tempted with today. Um, but what enabled him to live the life that he lived, what gave him the power to do the things that he did, was the Holy Spirit. And so we can't overlook this because the Holy Spirit is what is enabling mankind today to do the things that we were originally called and intended to do. That is the power that lives within us that helps us lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It is the, the leading and the guiding that we have on a daily basis that keeps us from doing wrong and helps us to do right. Helps us make right choices and not always make wrong choices. And so then we got over to the fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about how the fruit of the Spirit is not the works that we think fruit is. See, a lot of times we think that we see a fruitful person because they, they, they pray over sick people or they do good things or they, they uh, uh, speak in tongues all the time or they give a tongue or interpretation in the middle of church. But Jesus was very clear that this is not the fruit of the Spirit that we are looking for. The fruit of the Spirit that should be evident in our lives is our character and our conduct that lines up with the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, uh, there, there will be people that will come to me. And they will say, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal the sick? Did I not cast out demons? Did I not do all these works? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's pretty dangerous. That brings us to a whole new level because now we're looking at, okay, then what, what is going to make Jesus say to me in the end, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And it's character and conduct. We took time to look at this, that the love, the joy, the peace, 
the patience, the goodness, the, the faithfulness, long-suffering, um, the, the uh, self-control being evident in our life is proof that the Holy Spirit is having access to our life. There's many people that we view as spiritual people uh, because they do what we think is spiritual things. But Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, says, I could give a tongue and interpretation. I could give a prophecy. I could do many good works. I could have so much faith that I move mountains in my life. But if I don't have love, if I don't have love, it means nothing. If I don't have love operating in my life, it's a tinkling symbol. It's just a bunch of noise. Uh, it doesn't profit me anything. And I have no reward because I didn't operate in what? Love. Because I didn't have the fruit of the Spirit. And so we have to quit putting uh, the gifts of the, of the Spirit in front of the fruit of the Spirit. And your character will always go far beyond your talent and your ability to do something. Your, your love walk with coworkers that treat you horrible goes way beyond your ability to actually do your job. When it's all said and done, God's not going to ask you, were you on the worship team and did you give a tongue and did you give a prophecy to someone and did you lay hands on the sick? He's going to look at your love walk. He's going to look at your patience with people. He's going to look at, did you have self-control and put that thing down that I've been dealing with you to put down? That's what God's going to look at. But now we want to, I want to take some time to shift gears um, for these next several weeks. Um, and we are going to take a look at the gifts of the Spirit. Um, the gifts of the Spirit is probably one of the most misunderstood topics in all the Bible. One of the most misunderstood subjects in the entire Bible. Um, in fact, we are now living in a day and age where you're almost viewed as wrong or out there or you don't know what you're talking about if we try to touch on these subjects. All right, now I'm going to tell you, these are, these are topics that a lot of churches across America today are not talking about. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the most dangerous things in church today, um, you've got to understand that Church is designed to God's order and to God's system. And we're going to talk about order and design. In fact, the title of my message tonight is Order and Design. Order and Design. Uh, you may have heard me uh, several weeks ago. We were in the middle of a series called 180. And I started talking about how anything that God builds, anything that God puts together, um, He has a standard a code, a design, and an order to how it's to be built. Uh, let me give you some examples. In Exodus chapters 25 through 40, for 15 chapters from Exodus 25 through 40, God is giving out directions and people are building the tabernacle according to those directions. He lays out how the tabernacle is to be built. He lays out the exact measurements. He lays out the exact, the specific materials to be used in building the tabernacle. Where things are supposed to go. What things are supposed to look like. 
I mean, he goes deep. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 4, in 1 Kings chapters 4 through 8, Jesus talks about, or not Jesus, but God shows Solomon, originally David, to how to build the temple. Very specific directions. Very specific directions on how to build the tabernacle. Very specific directions on how to build the temple. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul starts talking about how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he then goes on to give specific directions on how, how we are to be the, Holy, be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about building the church in Matthew chapter 16. And he gives directions on how that's supposed to operate, what that's supposed to look like. Anything that God builds has a specific design and order to it. And the church is to be built like a kingdom. The church, God's church is to be built like a kingdom. But we have let something slip into the church that is very dangerous, that actually um, is against everything the kingdom of God is about, and that is a democratic mentality. Now, I don't have anything against democracy. I don't have anything against the republic. But what God built in Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning, and what he was trying to get man back to, was submitting and being in obedience to one person, that is God. And with this democratic mentality comes opinions, comes personalities, comes ideas. And in a kingdom, you don't have an opinion, you don't have a say, you don't, you don't elect and vote God as king. He is king. Bottom line. Um, right now, in today's society, the best government we have is a democracy in the republic that we have in this nation today. Why? Because a kingdom only works properly if the king has the best interests of the people at heart. But... In today's society, in today's systems, in kingdoms that are in operation today, they become dictatorships because the person who is king, who has full authority, ends up becoming power hungry. Ends up not having the people's best interests at heart. They have their best interests at heart. But God's kingdom, we know that we have the one true loving king that operates out of only wanting what is best for his people, and that's us. So in the church, we have this democratic system that has slipped in, and with that comes we preach what we want to preach, and we talk about out of this Bible what we want to talk about, and if we don't feel that that belongs in church, then we don't talk about it. And, and so what has happened, and you're, you're wondering what does this have to do with the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is just not something that is talked about in everyday church today. Because it's misunderstood. Uh, because people have had bad experiences. I'm going to tell you right now, um, for me personally, I was raised Pentecostal. Um, there's no other denomination out there that has seen the craziness of the Holy Spirit getting outside of its operation than Pentecostals. That's what we're known for. We're known as charismatic. We're known as radicals. We're known as crazy people that run around rooms and roll on the floor laughing and, and 
start pushing people down and smacking people on the head and, and giving prophecies that don't mean anything. And I'm telling someone that has no idea or no uh, want to to go outside of the nation, tell them you're going to go be a missionary to Nigeria and it means nothing. And we get people confused and lost. And, and it's because we've gotten outside of God's system. See, what you have to understand is any time you get outside of God's system, confusion and disorder creeps in. And that's what has happened with the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to be done in order. God has a specific design for how the gifts of the Spirit are to operate. God has a specific design for how the power of the Holy Spirit is to be demonstrated. I was just talking about this with one pastor um, just a few weeks ago. And um, he, he said this, he said, when the gifts of the Spirit operate in a church the way they're supposed to, it will never embarrass anybody. See, the Holy Spirit is one of the most loving, one of the most gentle people you could ever come across. I mean, we've just spent all this time talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. There is nothing about the Holy Spirit that would embarrass you. There's nothing about the Holy Spirit that wants to make you stand, stand out from the crowd. But here we have pastors that point at people in the middle of a service and call them out and say, you're living in this and you need to, you need to change your life. The Holy Spirit wouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit wouldn't embarrass you and make you do stupid things. And we, 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 we think the Holy Spirit is like, a, is like an evil spirit. That will come upon you and control you and make you do crazy things. And that's what the, whole, that's what the enemy does. Jesus came across a demon-possessed man that had a, had a legion of uh, demons within him. And he was cutting himself. He would, they'd try to chain him up and he'd break the chains. Uh, he would hurt himself. He would do crazy things. He was a monster. That's what the devil does to people. And we've made the Holy Spirit to be out this kind of be this kind of person, not to hurt yourself, but to just do silly things in church. And I, I wasn't even trying to do that. I, I couldn't even control myself. I just I just had to scream at the top of my lungs. I just had to jump up. I just no, you did that because you were excited. Don't put that on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be yielded to. Bottom line. You have to give yourself to the Holy Spirit. And everything we're about to cover on the gifts of the Spirit, they don't happen if you don't yield to the Holy Spirit. I've been in services where the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart either a tongue or an inter or interpretation of tongue or even a prophecy. And it was up to me to say it. And I'll tell you right now, there were times where I didn't yield. And God wanted me to yield. Remember, this is a partnership. God is not coming into the earth with a booming voice and, and telling people what he wants to say on a regular basis. He's using me and you. So that's what the gifts of the Spirit are, is God getting his access into the earth through people. So let's take a look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and just to let you know real quick, um, there is an app that you can get on an iPhone, iPad, iPod, uh, any kind of smartphone device. You have a BlackBerry or whatever. It's called the U version 
Bible app. Just to let you know, there is a there's an app called the Uversion. How many of you have devices and already have that app? You have the Uversion Bible app. Okay. You download that app. Our messages and our services are now in there in what is called a live event. All my verses, all my notes are in there. You can follow right along. Uh, if anybody is listening to this right now, you can get that out on your device right now as you're listening, and you can follow along with everything I'm going to give you tonight. Um, and and you can even take your own notes in it. You can add your own notes to it. Um, it's called a live event. You go to live event, you search Anchor Faith Church or even our zip code, um, and you can pull it up, and you can see all my verses and all my notes and follow right along with what we're talking about. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. He's evident in our life right now. I thank you that he is here with us where two or more are gathered in your name. He's here in our midst. So I thank you right now that he is uh, uh, revealing what we're talking about tonight. Father, I think you give me the words to speak, that I don't speak on my own initiative, but only as you lead. And Father, I thank you that this will be understood, comprehended, and we will bear fruit of it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. This is Paul speaking, and he says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm. Every one of you has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto what? Edifying. Let all things be done unto edifying. Paul is talking to a church the Corinthian church, that operated in manifestations and gifts of the Spirit on a regular basis. In fact, so much that Paul says here, every one of you has a tongue. Every one of you has a psalm. See, the Holy Spirit is not a respecter of persons. The Holy Spirit is not limited to operating just through pastors or just through supported ministers or just through men or just through women. In this passage, Paul is identifying every one of you has a tongue. Every one of you has a psalm. But here's the issue. They had it in operation so much that Paul is having to rein them in. And he's saying that what you're doing in church, what you're doing in these church services, is bringing confusion and disorder to what the Holy Spirit really wants to do. First point I want to make is, a move of the Spirit, without God's order and design, will bring disorder and confusion. And this is where a lot of churches are at. And I've been in those services, where you are just got your hand on your head wondering, what in the world is going on here? This is chaotic. This is a mess. The Holy Spirit, God is not about chaos and confusion. And so what was happening in this Corinthian church is everyone was given a psalm, everyone was given a tongue, everyone was given an interpretation. And now Paul, in the next few verses, is given direction. He's saying, look, when, 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 you, when someone gives a tongue, let only two or three give a tongue. And don't give a tongue without an interpretation. A tongue by itself helps nobody. I don't know what you just said. I need a 
interpretation. I need the Holy Spirit now to reveal what you were just saying in the Spirit. So Paul is identifying here that there is order and design. The, the, the chaos and the disorder and the confusion that was taking place within the Corinthian church was because they were outside of God's design. Now, there's something you need to note here, and that is that any time someone gets outside of the system, by nature, we as humans want to quit the system. If something isn't working right, we quit what we were trying to do. This isn't what God wants us to do. God wants us to fix the system or get back in alignment. Let me say that again. Anytime, anytime we see a system break or people or that someone gets outside of the system, our first response is to quit the system. Here's what I'm trying to say. Let me break it down real quick. Gifts of the Spirit. We've seen them improperly used in church. We've seen people get outside of the proper system of the gifts of the Spirit. So what do we do? We quit. I don't want tongues in my church anymore. I don't want prophecies in my church. I don't want the laying on of hands. I don't want these things operating. I was talking with another pastor just a few weeks ago, and... Um, came to the conclusion that in my era, I'm, I'm going to be 29 years old this year in just a couple months. And in my 29 years of being on this planet, I've been around a lot of word. I've been around a lot of teaching. I've been around a lot of what God is doing in churches. I've seen a lot. I've seen it done the right way. I've seen it done the wrong way. And... In 29 years, I have seen three messages almost be removed completely from the, from the church. Now, I'm talking about the universal church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm not talking about any church across town. So don't try to go and figure out what church I'm talking about. But generally, there are three messages that have gotten a lot of scrutiny. And that is, one, the faith message. The word of faith message. With this prosperity gospel, where God wants you to have a boat, and God wants you to have ten cars, and God wants you to have the biggest house on the street, and God wants you to have a, a savings account with hundreds of thousands of dollars in it. And if, you're, if you don't have those things, then you're not being blessed, and you need to look at your life and find out why you're not being blessed. False. Yes, you can have faith to be prosperous, but it's not for you. God wants you to be blessed. So you can be a blessing. Look at anybody in the Bible that was blessed. Abraham, one of the richest men in the Bible. Solomon, one, the richest man in the Bible. People had money. People had things. But it was to bless other people. It was to be a blessing. It was so that they could show God's kingdom to other people. And I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to stand here in front of you and tell you that if you don't have these things, then you're not blessed and you need to look at something in your life. That's on your level. I can't tell you what you're supposed to have. But I can tell you right now, God doesn't want you to be poor and, and, and lacking and always trying to 
just make it to the next day and make it to the next week and make it to the next month because then we're not benefiting anybody. We're, we're, see, both sides can get you looking inward. Having too much money gets you looking inward. And then not having anything, you're always trying to meet your needs when God says, look, I want to meet your needs. Just seek my kingdom. The second message is the healing message. The healing message. To where, and, and these days, we almost don't pray over the sick anymore. And we don't talk about healing. In fact, uh, there's a lot of churches that, a lot of churches that say, uh, that God is putting sickness on you to try to test you and, and try to test your faith and try to bring you closer to Him. That's one way that God tries to bring you closer is through sickness and through pain. And that's just not true. But that's the second message. The third message is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. To where we don't talk about tongues. We don't talk about the interpretation of tongues. We don't talk about prophecy. We don't talk about the gifts of prophecy. We don't talk about uh, the working of miracles. Gifts of faith. I mean, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And there's large portions of the Bible that you have to rip out of your Bible to go around it, to not talk about it. And so that's why we're talking about it. But as by, by nature as humans, if a system doesn't work, or if we, some, if we see someone mess up the system, we want to throw out the system rather than get someone in there that can properly work the system. I want to properly work the system. So why do we have manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul just said it right there at the end of verse 26. He says, let all things be done unto edifying. A gift of the Spirit and a manifestation of the Spirit should always have this purpose behind it. The word edify, the word edification means to instruct and to encourage. It's twofold. So every gift of the Spirit, every manifestation of the Spirit, when a, when a manifestation of the Spirit takes place, it will either bring instruction to your life or it will encourage you in what you're already doing. If you feel discouragement, probably wasn't a gift of the Spirit. If you feel uh, condemnation, probably wasn't a gift of the Spirit. Bottom line, it says right there that these should all be done for edification, to instruct you or to encourage you. That's why we have the moves and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Let's go down a little bit further. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 39. Just a few more verses down. And look what Paul says here. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. He's saying don't stop doing what you've been doing. Verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. God wants the gifts of the Spirit to keep going. And see, too many of us have said, well, I'll just disassociate myself from it. I'll stop doing it altogether. And Paul's saying, don't discontinue. That's not your solution. The solution is to get guidelines and boundaries. Get guidelines and boundaries. Guidelines are structure that give you boundaries that safeguard the flock. 
See, we don't want boundaries. We don't want limitations. We, we just want to be free. We just, whatever God wants to do. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you right now, and, and that's why I talked about the Holy Spirit as a teacher. That's why I spent four weeks talking about Him as a guide, as a helper. He'll reveal truth to you. He'll lead you into all truth. Remember what Jesus said right before He died? I mean, His last words with His disciples. He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. He says, it's better for me to go so the Holy Spirit can come. He will show you the future. He'll remind you of things that I've said. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll teach you. The Holy, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is happening right now. I don't have to lay hands on you and you fall out for a manifestation of the Spirit to take place. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Don't put him in a box. And how many people have left church discouraged because nobody ran around or nobody shouted and hollered, nobody fell down? Well, I guess the Holy Spirit wasn't there. Just wanted just another teaching service. He is a teacher. <laughs> He's moving in the teaching of the Word just as much as if I lay hands on someone and their leg grows back. The same thing. We can't separate it. So discontinuing the gifts of the Spirit is not the solution. Setting up guidelines and boundaries is the solution. It now safeguards the flock and makes sure that we are properly using the gifts of the Spirit in the right way. The gifts of the Spirit are not the end all. See, with this, with the Corinthian church, it was the end all. I mean, my gosh, if, if the Spirit didn't move in that church, then some, someone was wrong. Something happened. Alright, who, who told the Holy Spirit to leave? Who, 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 who's, uh, who's the sinner around here? And the funny thing is, and we just got done talking about a life in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, this Corinthian church was pretty messed up. Remember, we took time to look at the Corinthian church and we saw they were doing some crazy stuff and still had the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Why? Because God wanted to instruct people. God wanted to bring encouragement to people. He still wanted to do those things. That's why the gifts of the Spirit, that's why manifestations of the Holy Spirit happen, take place. So guidelines and structures, they bring boundaries that safeguard the flock. The church needs the move of the Spirit. We need it. We need manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want instruction from God. I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I want encouragement from God. It helps every now and then to get an attaboy from God. It, it helps every now and then to hear God say, you're doing good. Stay on the path. Keep doing what you're doing. I love you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, I'm there for you. Every now and then, I need that. And that's what the gift of the Holy Spirit is for. That's what those things are for. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll go back just a couple chapters. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, when you do something according to God's standard... When we follow the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit according to what God outlines in His Word, then the power's there. The power's there. Remember we saw when they built the tabernacle according to God's standard, what did He do? He came and lived in it. When, when they built the temple according to God's standard, His glory filled the temple to where the priest couldn't even go in. 
when God, when we build our temple and when we build our lives around what the Word of God says to do, then God dwells and lives within us and He's glorified in our lives. When I walk in love towards someone, I'm lifting up Jesus. When I have patience in a, in a very worrisome time, uh, I'm lifting up God. I'm glorifying God. When I have self-control and hold my tongue, I'm lifting up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So when we operate in the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit the way we're supposed to, He's lifted up. He's glorified in His power. He will come and dwell in it. He will come and live in what we're doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This chapter is known uh, as the, the, the gifts of the Spirit's chapter. Gifts of the Spirit chapter. This is it right here. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to take these next weeks very slowly. If you thought I was going slow before, we're about to bring it down. I mean, we may hit two or three verses a night and just camp. This is important. You can't blow through this stuff. You can't, you, you, you can't just fly through it and say, all right, we had, I can't give you all nine gifts of the Spirit. We're going to go one by one. So when we see them in operation, we can identify them and know what's happening, know what's taking place. So look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorance is the number one reason why we have seen what we have seen. He's not just saying, I don't want you to not know about the gifts of the Spirit. He's saying, I want you to know how they work. So you might know that there is a working of miracles, but do you really know how it's to be demonstrated? You might know that there's tongues and interpretation of tongues, but do you really know how it's supposed to operate in the church? And see, we may know these things, but we don't really know how it works. And these are tools. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are tools that are to be used. Now, here's the thing about tools. Ignorance keeps you from using a tool effectively. See, if I don't know how to use a hammer right, I'm going to put a lot of holes in stuff. If I don't know how to use a gun properly, it's going to be dangerous. If I don't know how to drive a vehicle, I'm dangerous to society. The tool is helpful, but if, but if I don't use the tool properly, then I'm only doing harm. And so ignorance with the gifts of the Spirit and ignorance with manifestations of the Spirit is actually doing more harm than it is good. We're putting holes in walls and we're hitting people with our cars and we're shooting ourselves in the foot with a gun. We need to know how to use them properly. Ignorance keeps you from using a tool effectively. It brings, dis it brings corruption and causes disorder. It brings corruption. I mean, you know, I mean, you've seen it on the news where people have these revival meetings and, uh, you know, all kinds of weird things are happening. And the news always gets a hold of it. The enemy always finds a way to get it out there. Look what them crazy Christians are doing. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to do crazy stuff. Because we're in the world, but not of it. <laughs> but we're not, we're not handling snakes. We're not handling snakes here. We're not drinking Kool-Aid. Okay? We're not hanging from chandeliers and walking on pews. and We're not doing all that crazy stuff. We're doing what God wants in this church. But the news always gets a hold of it. And it brings corruption to the church. It causes disorder and chaos. And we end up helping nobody. I mean, last time I checked, the local church is here for the world, not for us. Last time I checked, we're here not to, not to come into these four walls and think we got something done tonight, but to learn something to get us out tomorrow morning and on Friday and on, on next Monday and next week in our jobs and in our communities and in our homes, living the kingdom life. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are to help us do. Not so we can come here and have a party and say, man, can't wait till Sunday so we can do that again. Let me give you three concepts real quick that you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. Three concepts to understand about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers, not overpowers. The Holy Spirit is to give you power, not take over your life and make you do weird stuff. He has to be yielded to. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us to empower us for kingdom work. Number two, he will always glorify God, not man. He will glorify God, not man. If you're doing something that you call a manifestation of the Spirit, and everybody's got their attention on you and is looking at you, you have become a distraction from what God is wanting to do in the service. I remember there was one service down in St. Augustine that the, the Holy Spirit was moving. The Holy Spirit was, was operating. But Pastor Earl, and there's discernment. And with, the five, with five-fold ministers, they have to have strong discernment because they are responsible for the flock. And so we had this move of the Spirit, and there was this one lady. I was on the drums over on the side, and this one lady just started doing this weird twirling stuff. And I'm not saying dancing's wrong. There's plenty of people in the Bible that danced. But what did it do? It drew attention to her. Not God. So Pastor Earl immediately said, everyone, get on your knees right now. Why? He's testing her. Did everyone need to get on their knees? Not necessarily. God didn't say put everyone on their knees. It wasn't a Moses moment and get on your knees and take your shoes off. It wasn't that at all. But he was testing her. Would she obey or would she keep doing what she wanted to do? Sure enough, she kept right on twirling. And he repeated it a second time. I said, everyone, get on your knees. Identified very quickly what spirit she was of. Because the devil always wants the glory for himself. God gets the glory when the Holy Spirit is truly moving. When the Holy Spirit is truly in operation. You'll be submitted to the man of God that he's placed over the church, number one. And number two, you won't be drawing attention and distraction to yourself. Okay? So God gets the glory, not man. Number two, 
He will give instruction to the Lordship of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is in operation, He will give direction and instruction to your life that will bring you to submission to Jesus Christ, to His Lordship. The Holy Spirit will not direct you to do something outside of God's Word. The Holy Spirit, and and this is what we'll talk about over these next few weeks, is when a manifestation of the Spirit, see, see, prophecy, it's become so subjective that anybody can give a prophecy to anybody and it's got to be from God. No, it doesn't. One, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, throw it out. Two, if it doesn't line up with what God has placed on your heart, throw it out. If you don't care to leave Valdosta from the rest of your life and someone says you're going to be a missionary to Siberia, they're probably wrong because God would place that desire and that that want to. It would line up with what God's already speaking to you. And so it's not subjective. It's not, well, you know, this guy's a pastor. This guy's an evangelist. This guy says he's got the prophetic ministry. So, you know... Let me pack my bags, get a first ticket out of here to Siberia. I hate the cold. I hate being on the other side of the world. I don't like anything about that place, don't know anything about that place, don't care to leave America. I'm right at home where I'm at. But, you know, he's a prophet. Let's do it. Go find a fur coat and get out of here. And people do this. Why? Because of ignorance. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. In fact, he said, I want you to desire spiritual gifts. Desire them. Desire that they're in operation in your church. Desire that the Holy Spirit is moving in your church. Desire that people are giving tongues and interpretation. Desire that the working of miracles is taking place, that people are being healed, and the the gift of faith is being evident. Desire those things. Want them. Pursue them. That's what Paul said but with order, with God's design, with God's specifications. Not according to yours, not according to what you've seen in church, not according to what... I've seen all kinds of things in my past that moved people, but when it came down to it, they were only moved by the natural and not by God. All I know is that in this church, I desire for God to move people. I don't want to move you because I gave an emotional call. I don't want to move you because the worship was that good. I don't want to move you because I said something outside of what God's Word says. I want to move you based upon what God is doing in this church. That's all I want. That's all I want to see happen. And so that's why we're taking this time to go through it. And, you know, there are others that desire, they desire the power. They're zealous about it, man. They're passionate about the the spiritual gifts and seeing them in operation. And there are people that carry that gift with them. There is a gift of healing. We'll see it. There are ministers that have a, a, that are called healing evangelists. That is the gift. Wherever they go, they lay hands on people and they become healed. That instantly. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus operated in all the gifts. Go ahead and tell you that. Jesus operated in all of them. Even the five-fold ministry gifts. The, 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 the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet. All these, all these gifts. He operated in all of them. He taught. He pastored people. He was an evangelist. He cared about the lost. He was a prophet. I mean, he sat down with one woman, Samaritan woman, and 
read her book, read her mail all over the place. God had, Jesus had all these gifts in operation in his ministry. And we're to desire them, but according to his standard, according to his specifications. Remember what we said, when you build the house according to his code, he can't wait to get in it. When you build it according to, to what he's told you to do, he can't wait to be there. And I want this to place to be a place where God can't wait to get to every Wednesday and every Sunday. Not be, just because we're here, but because we're here and we desire to see him move. That's what I want. Amen. Well, Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. And, Father, I thank you that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. Not to just the words that I say, but to your word. Father, your word is all that matters. Your word is a solid foundation. Your word is the rock that we can build our lives upon. And, Father, I thank you that as we take this time to study the gifts of the Spirit, to go through them, Father, I thank you that we won't go off of past experiences, ways we may have been heard or crazy things we may have seen or you know, funny things we've, we've, we've heard in our lives in the past, Father. But, Father, that we will go into this with an open mind, knowing that your word will reveal truth. And truth will set us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, Father. So I thank you that we desire to, to know the truth, to know the word of God, to see it in manifestation in this church and in our individual lives. Father, I thank you for those that have come out tonight. Father, I thank you that uh, they have, have given up time, given up family time, given up time on a, on a day where they may have had a rough day at work and have to go right back tomorrow. But Father, I thank you that you will reward them for their time to seek you first, to hear your word, to come and be encouraged and edified. In Jesus' name, amen.